Hello, I'm Erica Lacasse, and this is the Messy Messianic Mama Podcast. Today we'll be talking about seeing what is unseen. Stick around for some hope healing and maybe even some laughs. Welcome to another Messy Messianic Mama podcast. Today is the 23rd of August, 2021. And I cannot believe it, but we actually have like another week and a half of August. (laughs) This month is a lot longer than I thought it was for some reason. But um, today we're going to be talking about seeing what is unseen. Before we get to that, I want to let you know that the Torah portion for this week is Kitavo. And the Torah portion itself is Deuteronomy chapter 26, verse 1 to chapter 29, verse 9. The half Torah portion is Isaiah chapter 60, verses 1 through 22. And the Brit Hadasha is Matthew chapter 4, verses 13 to 24. And we are actually in the month of, in the on the Hebrew calendar, we're in the month of Elul. And that is the 12th month of their calendar. And it is right before the next month, which has a lot of, well, a lot of the times has the uh, high holy days. And the first one that's going to be starting out is actually in a couple weeks. I believe, please don't quote me on that. It's the 7th of September. Um, the only reason I do get confused with that is because for Rosh Hashanah, um, our congregation typically does not necessarily celebrate it on the actual day. We celebrate it on whatever Saturday happens to be closest. And in this case, I believe it will be on the 4th of September that we will be celebrating Rosh Hashanah, also known as Yom Teruah. So it means New Year or Feast of Trumpets. So in your Bibles, you'll know it as Yom Teruah, the Feast of Trumpets. And it's something that we'll get into more starting next week. Um, so you'll have like, you know, a week to prepare. Um, I would encourage you to look at, look at stuff yourself. Um, check it out yourself. Do some research. I'm probably going to be reading straight out of my uh, book that you know that I love when it comes to the feast. It's a complete guide to celebrating our Messiah and the festivals by Susan Mortimer. Um, just a really great resource that clearly I thoroughly enjoy. I don't necessarily agree with everything, but as we say here on the podcast, the only one you're ever going to agree with 100% and not even necessarily then, is yourself. So without further ado, let's go ahead and and get into seeing what is unseen. This particular week, I don't know about you, has been um, pretty crazy. And ironically, if you actually take note of this every single year, especially if you're new to this whole um, walk with uh, Messiah, right before the High Holy Days, typically is when the world goes crazy. (laughs) Um, Not always, but there's always something crazy going on right beforehand. And there has been a lot um, going on, you know, obviously the past year or two, um, but really a lot of things going on, things that we can control, things that we cannot control. Um, Things like, you know, the 7.2 earthquake that hit Haiti and then being unable to recover from it because they were being hit by a hurricane at the same, you know, right afterwards. And um, the American troops pulling out of Afghanistan, which is rather near and dear to my heart. Um, My husband, if you do not know, um, just retired after 20 years in the Marine Corps. And he was there in Afghanistan three times. And I was married to him all three times. 
And so I know something that a lot of our military is struggling with right now. Um, you know, was it worth it or was it not worth it? And um, it all goes back to seeing what is unseen. And I was looking on my Facebook this past week and social media can be used for evil and it can be used for good. But this particular week, I felt like it was really helpful. Um, I stumbled upon uh, a friend of mine had posted something from a friend of hers. Um, there was a blog post and I read it and I was like, that is exactly right. And I, I want to kind of do a plug-in for her. Um, I actually spoke to her, sent her a message, said, hey, would it be okay if I actually read your blog post? And um, she graciously said yes. Her name is Myra Freshwater. She has a um, website, tranquilliving.com. And it's helping women move from fear into faith. And I think that's exactly what um, my heart is as well. So I can definitely resonate with her. Um, maybe hoping at some point when I figure out how to do it, um, to be able to have her on my podcast and just be able to talk about it and try to encourage, um, women, but also anyone else who's listening that, um, we are not supposed to live in fear, but we are supposed to hang on, hang on and hold on to faith in our savior. Her post is titled, I'm angry about our world. And she posted this August 17, 2021. So this is, you know, her most recent blog. I encourage you to go ahead to her website. Um, just as I already said, I have not delved 100% into her uh, website. So of course, there's going to be things that I might not agree with. And you know what? Things that you might not agree with. But I'm going to go ahead and read her blog post. I'm not going to change any of the wording. Um, she's going to say Jesus instead of Yeshua. <gasps> I know, shocking. Um but I have no problem with that whatsoever because he knows what his name is. So I'm going to go ahead and read this and then we're going to kind of talk about it. Um, it's just so good. Hopefully I'll be able to keep under my time frame, but there's so much to get into here. So let's go ahead and dive it in. I'm so angry. My chest pounded and my words were stern. Tom had just informed me that a party we planned to attend was canceled. I'm not an angry person, so I surprised myself with my strong feelings. The occasion was to have been a celebratory gathering after the pandemic. But all of a sudden, COVID cases were on the rise and it was deemed unsafe to be together. My husband affirmed me and also cautioned me to dial back my ire since we were en route to enjoy a meal with friends. Angst was oozing from my pores. My wrath wasn't toward a person, but to an entity known as Satan, the enemy of our souls. With the craziness in our world today, how could one not recognize this foe from another realm? Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. 1 Peter 5.8 New Living Translation We're engaged in a spiritual battle. Cultural influencers have turned long-standing mores on their heads. Nothing is off limits. Can we please get back to the right and wrong? A sports shoe manufacturer added an air bubble with drops of blood to their recently designed shoe. Another shoe company displays full color ads of models in bright red suits with pentagrams. The designer plays on the interests of its adolescent shoppers and their occult interests. Certain medical professionals have stated that sex should be removed as a legal designation on the public part of birth certificates. 
Muppet Babies are teaching children ages four to seven about transgenderism and cross-dressing. Communities, churches, and even families are divided on political and social issues. There were 44,834 suicides in the United States in 2020. In 2018, 619,591 abortions were reported to the CDC. Currently, terrible atrocities are being committed in Afghanistan and other countries. I have to admit, I've had fleeting thoughts of going off-grid in a remote, remote mountainous region. I'm worried about our children. They're the guinea pigs who've been injected with absurd ideas. I remember when we had three, if we were lucky, television stations, and I was vigilant to protect my son from quote-unquote offensive content and the Teenage Mutant Ninja Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I long for the relative simplicity back then. You have to watch what comes through screens every minute these days. One day I played kids' worship videos on YouTube. Our grandchildren love to dance and sing along. I stepped into the kitchen for a moment, only to find an offensive video had begun. I've learned to constantly be on guard. Were we asleep at the wheel when common standards drastically declined? I want our grandchildren to love people of the world like Jesus did, to be compassionate and servant-hearted. As they get older, they'll see the world as it is. But there are images and realities very young brains can't assimilate. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against the evil unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then, after the battle, you will be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Ephesians 6, 12-17 I often daydream as to how C.S. Lewis would give voice to the experienced tempter, Screwtape, today. What new chapters would he pen in the Screwtape letters? I envision Screwtape with steepled tapping fingers saying, Hee hee, my plans have succeeded. We have them right where we want them. He's referring to Christians, of course. And where does he have us? Are we aware of the battle being waged against us? Will we become savvy to our enemy's plan or continue to adapt to our current culture as the proverbial frog in boiling water. I recently listened to a pastor who lived in Iran. His identity was kept anonymous for his safety. He'd married an Iranian woman who'd had a dramatic conversion to Jesus years earlier. When he brought her to his home in the U.S. to give her a better life, she became disenchanted with our way of life. She preferred Iran, where she could face persecution and death. She was not afraid to stand up for her faith. She'd rather live in a dangerous country than a relatively safe one where Christians are under the influence of a satanic lullaby, as she put it. I shudder to realize that I've been lulled. I'm well accustomed to my blessed life and have become numb to evils I couldn't have imagined a few years earlier. I could share my personal opinions here, but they're not pertinent. We have much higher opinion to consider. God's. Our country's founders chose the Bible to guide them in the governance of the new society. They intuitively knew of no higher body of truths to lay as a foundation. The United States was not to be a kingdom like England. 
it would be a free society where men governed themselves. Leaders would be selected for the good of the people, and government offices would be held accountable by citizens. Freedom was bestowed a high value. It was a means to build a strong country for everyone, not a means to selfishness. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. Galatians 5.13 These days, freedom has been corrupted and has overstepped its bounds. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Romans 12.2 To be a citizen in the kingdom of God is a high calling. We're called to die to self and serve our King and other people. By the power of His Spirit who lives inside, the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. How do we live concurrently as citizens of God's kingdom and citizens of the earth? Start each day in God's word. He'll highlight pertinent truths. Pray boldly for those nearby and for the nations. Prayer aligns us with God and affects lives for good. Pray for people to come to Jesus. Pray against demonic strongholds, 2 Corinthians 10.4, and evil. Jesus has authority over Satan. Ask the Holy Spirit to search our hearts and humbly repent from our own sins. Love radically. Love our families, neighbors, and communities in tangible ways, as Jesus did by the power of his Spirit. God's love, agape, isn't a feeling but unconditional love displayed by actions. It's the love Jesus had when he gave his life on the cross. He's charged us to love people and hate evil perpetrated by them. If this seems like a tricky venture... Let's remember how much we hate our own sin while we truly love ourselves and hope to see our personal improvement. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you'll be acting as the true children of your Father in heaven. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Matthew 5, 44-46 Be friendly to everyone, especially people different from you. Focus on your similarities rather than differences only. Show hospitality. Share the good news of Jesus. Get involved in public schools. Vote. Run for a local office. Become a foster parent. Stock a food bank. Mercifully, God's love isn't based on our merits, but only on his sacrificial love. Likewise, our love for strangers must model God's unconditional love. Medical associations will make their statements Sordid entertainment will entertain, and shoe companies will employ Satan. Freedom can be used in twisted and self-serving ways. We are called to be people of the light. We show that love, that we love God by our love for other people. He has empowered us with his spirit. We have no excuse. Until the whole earth knows him as king, we must speak of his goodness and love. Do not let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Romans 12, 21. I know that was a bit of a, a blog, but I, I tell you what, I really love what she had to say. And um, that's kind of what I was going with today. But you know what? God wanted me to delve even deeper. And so he brought me to remembrance. Another one of my favorite prophets in the Bible is Elisha. You know, we talked about Elijah being my favorite, but Elisha was also, and he had something to say about seeing what is unseen. So in 2 Kings 
chapter 6, verse 8 to 23, it says, Now the king of Aram was warring, warring against Israel. He consulted with his officers, saying, In such and such, and such a place will be my camp. But the man of God sent word to the king of Israel, saying, Be careful not to pass this place, for the Arameans are coming down there. So the king of Israel sent word to the place the man of God told him and warned him about, and so he was on guard there more than once or twice. His heart upset over this matter, the king of Aram summoned his officers and said to them, Tell me which one of us is on the king of Israel's side. But one of his officers said, No, my lord, the king, rather, Elisha the prophet, who is in Israel, keeps telling the king of Israel the very words that you speak in your bedroom. So he said, Go, see where he is, so I may send and seize him. Then it was reported to him, Behold, he is in Dothan. So he sent horses, chariots, and a great army there. They arrived at night and surrounded the city. Now when the attendant of the man of God had risen early and gone out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was surrounding the city. So his attendant said to him, Alas, my master, what are we going to do? Fear not, he replied, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then Elisha prayed and said, Adonai, please open his eyes that he may see. Then Adonai opened his eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. When they came down to him, Elisha prayed to Adonai and said, Please strike this people with blinding light. So he struck them with blinding light according to the word of Elisha. Then Elisha said to them, This is not the road, nor is this the city. Follow me, and I will lead you to the man whom you seek. So he led them to Samaria. Upon their arrival in Samaria, Elisha said, Adonai, open the eyes of these men that they may see. So Adonai opened their eyes and they could see. Behold, they were in the middle of Samaria. When the king of Israel saw them, he said to Elisha, Shall I surely strike them down, Avi, or father? Don't strike them down, he replied. Would you strike down those whom you have captured with your own sword and bow? Set before them bread and water that they may eat and drink and go back to their master. So he prepared a great feast for them. After they had eaten and drunk, he sent them away, and they went back to their master. Ever since, the marauding bands of Aram stopped invading the land of Israel. That to me right there, we read these things in the Old Testament, and for some reason we think, that was then, and this is now, and can't possibly be a thing. I'm telling you right now, there is a supernatural power and a battle between good and evil between Satan and Adonai, the king of hosts. They are fighting for our very souls and for what's going on at earth. There are things that we can see and there are things that are unseen. And I would challenge you to pray a very dangerous prayer and ask for your eyes to be opened so that you might see the supernatural. Your life will never be the same again. Once you see the things that are in the supernatural realm, your natural lives will be changed forever. And then I came to, I started thinking of this phrase. There's handwriting on the wall. And I knew that this was like, okay, this is clearly like, I'm almost positive. This is a story in Daniel chapter five about the handwriting on the wall. But I actually like Googled it and actually I was right. So I was, I was pretty excited that, um, one of the quotes that a lot of people use that aren't even believers, they use this thing, you know, there's handwriting on the wall. It's when people say that nowadays, it's a idiomatic expression and it refers to the foreshadowing 
of any impending doom, misfortune, or end. And for those listening, as I was reading this, and my heart just became heavy, and I just felt my spirit saying, this is it. This is my handwriting on the wall. For my people, this is the handwriting on the wall. For America, for the world, this is my handwriting on the wall. We need to prepare and be ready. We need to, just as she said in the blog, put on the full armor of God. Which you do in the spiritual realm. You put on the full armor of God, right? The handwriting on the wall, if you're not familiar, has to do with King Belshazzar. And he had a great feast for all of his people, his nobles. They were drinking wine in front of, in front of thousands of people. He issued an order. And to bring in the gold and silver vessels that Nebuchadnezzar, his father, had taken out of the temple in Jerusalem. Big no-no. So that the king and his nobles and his consorts and his concubines could drink from them. So they did. They drank from the temple, from the gold vessels that were taken out of the temple of the house of God in Jerusalem that had been sanctified for God. And then a finger... The fingers of a human hand emerged and wrote on the plaster of the wall of the king's palace opposite the lampstand so the king could see the back of the hand that was writing. The color drained from the king's face. His thoughts alarmed him. His hips gave way and his knees began knocking together. So he summoned all of his astrologers, the Chaldeans, the diviners, and he wanted them to be like, tell me what it is that this, this hand that appeared wrote on my wall. None of them could do it. The queen heard about this and he said my king this is who you need to call and she said you need to call daniel because daniel was found to have extraordinary spirit knowledge and insight for interpreting dreams explaining riddles and solving problems now obviously he was able to do all these things because god gave him that ability right so daniel was brought before the king and he said Hey, can you figure out what this thing says on the wall? Obviously, I'm interpreting, you know, this is this is Erica's interpretation of, of chapter five. And Daniel answered the king saying, I can I can answer this for you. You don't need to give me the gifts that, that you're offering me, because he said I'd give you uh clothing in purple and have a gold chain around your neck and have the authority to rule as the third in the kingdom. And Daniel's like, I don't need any of that stuff. But I'll read you the writing that it says. Because God, the Most High, gave your father Nebuchadnezzar the kingdom as well as greatness, glory, and splendor. Because of that, all the people's nations and lang languages dreaded and feared him. He killed whoever he wanted and spared whoever he wanted. He raised up who he wished and humbled anyone he wished. But when his heart became haughty and his spirit hardened with pride, he was deposed from his royal throne and stripped of his glory. He was driven from among men and his mind became like an animal. But you as son, Balthazar, have not humbled your heart either. And you knew all of this. You knew this is what had happened to your father. You have praised the gods made of silver and gold, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone, which cannot see or hear or understand. Yet you did not honor the God who holds in his hand your very breath and all your ways. Therefore, the hand was sent from him that wrote this inscription. Now, this is the writing that was inscribed. Mene, mene, tekel, Parson, which makes no sense, right? So he's saying, this is the interpretation of the inscription. Mene, it means God has numbered the days of your reign and brought it to an end. And that was as I was reading this, God is saying, this is it. 
This is what America needs to remember. I've done it before and I will do it again. We need to come before our knees before the throne of the Most High and plead for forgiveness and repentance. Many, God has numbered the days of your reign and brought it to an end. Tekel, you have been weighed in the balances and found wanting. Perez, your kingdom has been divided and given to the Medes and Persians. Then, at Belshazzar's command, they clothed Daniel purple, put a chain of gold around his neck, and issued a proclamation about him that he would have the authority as third ruler of the kingdom. On that very night, King Belshazzar of the Chaldeans was slain. And time and time again, I see this, but I'm, I was reading this and I was just, the spirit is saying, this is what's happening right now. Your leaders have become haughty. And their spirits have been hardened with pride. And I will depose them because they're no longer glorifying me. So we need to wait and see. I did not want to even say anything on my podcast about this because this puts me in a very precarious, <laughs> precarious situation and it scares me. It does. Um, we are very comfortable. And the wife of the pastor from Iran was spot on. We are so disillusioned and we've gotten so comfortable with the way things are in America and in our Christianity and our belief system. That we've forgotten who we serve. And we've forgotten that everything that we do is to glorify him and not ourselves. So I want to encourage you, extol, extol to you, and just really just make sure that you understand we need to ask the Lord to forgive us and heal our land. Forgive us and heal our land, O oh Lord. We have sinned and fallen short. And we pray that you would just turn back the clock, Lord. Help us remember to seek your face in all things before we do anything each and every day. Hasatan only has power that we give him. So we need to take back what the devil stole from us and give it back to the Lord. And through these difficult times that we're all living through, read the word, press into the word, read the scriptures. What is the Bible telling us? The New Testament, the Old Testament, the prophets, everything. What is he speaking to us and saying to us? And what does he want us to hear? These are things that we need to meditate on and think on, especially as we are entering into the fall feasts. I'm excited to actually really get into it with you next week about that. And also probably for the next couple of weeks, I will. Um, Rosh Hashanah has so many interesting meanings. I actually don't even like calling it that. I prefer calling it Yom Teruah. Um, I think it's more biblically accurate. But remember, these are the fall feasts of the Lord. They're not Jewish feasts. They are fall feasts of the Lord. They're for everyone to observe. Because um, when we observe these different feasts, we actually have a better understanding of our Savior. So with that being said, I'm going to go ahead and close like I do every single week.
going to Numbers chapter 6, verses 24 to 26. And I'm going to go ahead and speak the ironic benediction over you. The blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Bashem Yeshua. Sar Shalom. In the name of Yeshua, the Prince of Peace. Amen. May you have a blessed week and remember that God is on the throne and that you are never alone. Be blessed. Please feel free to message me at messymessianicmama.com or you can email me at elmmm3 at protonmail.com. That's E is an echo, L is in lemur, M is in Mike, M is in Mike. Amazon Mike, the number three at protonmail.com. You can also leave me a one minute voicemail message on anchor.fm slash Erica LaCasse. And it should have a button right there to say, leave a voice message. Remember to keep it short and sweet if you have any questions or you just want to leave a nice little comment. I would love to hear from you.